Welcome back. Thanks for returning to Hell. Uh, I am Mark McCullough, and I will be um, discussing Cantos 21 and 22 today in a departure from traditional. Combine two of these uh, canti, uh, two of the cantic together, and discuss them. And so I'll read uh, both of them, and then offer uh, uh, some uh, brief reflection and uh, uh, points for discussion after uh, the reading. From this bridge to the next, we walked and talked of things my comedy does not care to tell. And when we reached the summit of the arch, we stopped to see the next foss of Malibolge, and to hear more lamentation voiced in vain. I saw that it was very strangely dark. In the vast and busy shipyard of the Venetians, there boils all winter long a tough, thick patch that is used to caulk the ribs of unsound ships. Since winter will not let them sail, they toil. Some build new ships. Others repair the old ones, plugging the planks come loose from many sailings. Some hammer at the bow, some at the stern. One carves the oars while others twine the ropes. One mends the jib, one patches up the mainsail. Here, too, but heated by God's art, not fire, a sticky tar was boiling in the ditch that smeared the banks with viscous residue. I saw it there, but I saw nothing in it except the rising of the boiling bubbles, breathing in air to burst and sink again. I stood intently gazing there below my guide, shouting to me, Watch out, watch out, took hold of me and drew me to his side. I turned my head like one who couldn't resist looking to see what makes him run away, his body's strength draining with sudden fear. But looking back does not delay his flight. And I saw him coming right behind our backs, rushing along the ridge, a devil, black, his face, his look, how frightening it was. With outstretched wings, he skimmed along the rock, and every single move he made was cruel. On one of his high hunched and pointed shoulders, he had a sinner slung by both his thighs, held tightly clawed at the tendons of his heels. He shouted from our bridge, Hey, Malabranch, here's one of the Saint Azita's elders for you. You stick him under. I'll go back for more. I've got the city stocked with the likes of him. They're a bunch of grafters, save Bonturo. You can change a no to yes for cash and Luca. He flung him in, then from the flinty cliff sprang off. No hound unleashed to chase a thief could have taken off with greater speed than he. That sinner plunged, then floated up, stretched out, and the devils underneath the bridge all shouted, You shouldn't imitate the holy face! The swimming's different here from in the Cercino. We have our grappling hooks along with us. Don't show yourself above the pitch, or else. With a hundred prongs or more, they pricked him, shrieking. You've got to do your squirming undercover. Try learning how to cheat beneath the surface. They were like cooks who made their scullery boys poke down into the cauldrons with their forks to keep the meat from floating to the top. My master said, We'd best not let them know that you are here with me. Crouch down behind some jutting rock so that they cannot see you. Whatever insults they may hurl at me, you must not fear. I know how things are run here. I have been caught in a bad fix as before. He crossed the bridge and walked on past the Ed. As soon as he set foot on the sixth bank, he forced himself to look as bold as possible. With all the sound and fury that breaks loose when dogs rush out at some poor begging tramp, 
make him stop and beg from where he stands. The one who hid beneath the bridge sprang out and blocked him with a flourish of their pitchforks. But he shouted, All of you, behave yourselves. Before you start to jab me with your forks, let one of you step forth to hear me out, and then decide if you still care to grapple. They all cried, Let Malaconda go. One stepped forward, the other stood their ground, and moving said, What good will this do him? Do you think, Malaconda, said my master, that you would see me here to come all this way against all opposition and still safe, without fate and God's permission? Now let us pass, for it is willed in heaven that I lead another by this savage path. With this, the devil's arrogance collapsed. His pitchfork, too, dropped right down to his feet as he announced to all, Don't touch this man! You, hiding over there, my guide called him, behind the bridge's rocks, curled up and quiet, come back to me, you may return in safety. At his words I rose, and then I ran to him, and all the devils made a movement forward. I feared they would not really keep their pact. I remember seeing soldiers under truce as they left the castle of Capronia, frightened to be passing in the midst of such an enemy. I drew up close to him, as close as possible, and I did not take my eyes from all those faces that certainly had nothing good about them. Their prongs were armed at me, and one was saying, Oh, no, do I let him have it in the rump? They answered all for one, Sure, stick him good. But the devil who had spoken with my guide was quick to spin around and scream in order, At ease there, take it easy. And he said to us, You cannot travel straight across this string of bridges, for the sixth arch lies broken at the bottom of its ditch. If you have made up your mind to proceed, you must continue along this ridge. Not far, you'll find a bridge that crosses it. Five more, five hours more, and it will be one thousand. Two hundred sixty-six years in a day since the bridgeway here fell crumbling to the ground. I plan to send a squad of mine that way to see that no one airs himself down there. Go along with them, they will not misbehave. Front and center, Alicino, Kella Cabrini, he shouted his commands. You too, Cagnazzo. Barbiccio, you be captain of the squad. Now tour the ditch. Inspect the boiling tar. These two shall have safe passage to the bridge, connecting den to den without a break. Oh, master, I don't like the looks of this, I said. Let's go, just you and me. No escort. You know the way. I want no part of them. If you are observant as you usually are, why is it you don't see them grind their teeth and wink at one another? We're in danger. And he to me, I will not have you frightened. Let them do all the grinding that they want. They do it for the boiling souls, not us. Before they turned left face along the bank, each one gave their good captain a salute with farting tongue pressed tightly to his teeth. And he blew back with his bugle of an asshole. Canto 22 I have seen troops of horsemen breaking camp, opening the attack or passing in review. I have even seen them fleeing for their lives. I have seen scouts ride, exploring your terrain or our ten days. And I have seen raiding parties, and the clash of tournaments, the joust, the run of jousts, to the tune of trumpets, to the ring of clanging bells, to the roll of drums, to the flash of flares on ramparts, to the accompaniment of every known device. 
but I have never saw cavalry or infantry or ships that sail by landmarks or by stars, signaled to set off by such strange bugling. So on our way we went with those ten fiends. What savage company, but in church with saints, with rowdy good-for-nothings in the tavern. My attention now was fixed upon the bit, the pitch, to see the operations of this bulgia, and how the cooking souls got on down there. Much like the dolphins that are said to surface with their backs arched to warn all men at sea to rig their ships for stormy seas ahead, so now and then a sinner's back would surface in order to alleviate his pain, then dive to hide as quick as lightning strikes. Like squatting frogs along the ditch's edge, with just their muzzles sticking out of water, their legs and all the rest concealed below, these sinners squatted all about their pond. But as soon as Barbaccia would approach them, they quickly ducked beneath the boiling pitch. I saw, my heart still shudders at the thought, one lingering behind, as it sometimes happens one frog remains while all the rest dive down, and Grafican, standing in front of him, hooked and twisted him by his pitchy hair and hoisted him. He looked just like an otter. By then I knew the names of all the fiends, I had listened carefully when they were chosen, each of them stepping forth to match his name. Hey, Ribicante, dig your claws deep down into his back and peel the skin off him. This fiendish chorus egged him on with screams. I said, Master, will you, if you can, find out the name of the poor wretch who has just fallen into the cruel hands of his adversaries? My guide walked right up to the sinner's side and asked him where he was from. And he replied, I was born and bred in the kingdom of Navarre. My mother gave me to a lord to serve, for she had me by some dishonest spendthrift who ran through all he owned and killed himself. Then I became a servant in the household of good King Tybalt. There I learned my graft, and now I pay my bill by boiling here. Sirato who had two tusks sticking out on both sides of his mouth, just like a boar's, let him feel how just one tusk could rip him open. The mouse had fallen prey to evil cats, but Babarchia locked him with his arms, shouting, Get back while I got hold of him! Then toward my guide he turned his face and said, If you want more from him, keep questioning before he's torn to pieces by the others. My guide went on, Then tell me, do you know of some Italian stuck among these sinners beneath the pitch? And he. A second ago I was with one who lived around those parts. Oh, how I wish I were under cover with him now. I wouldn't have these hooks or claws to fear. Libococo cried, We've waited long enough. Then with his fork he hooked the sinner's arm, and tearing at it he pulled out a piece. Draginazzo, too, was anxious for some fun. He tried the wretch's leg, but their captain quickly spun around and gave him all a dirty look. As soon as they calmed down a bit, my master began again to interrogate the wretch, who still was contemplating his new wound. Who was it, you were saying, that unluckily you left behind you when you came ashore? Gometa, he said, the friar from Galura, receptacle for every kind of fraud when his lord's enemies were in his hands. The treatment they received delighted them. He took their cash, and as he says, hushed up the case and let them off. None of his acts were petty grafting. All were of sovereign order. He spends his time with Don Mikhail Gzanke of Logodoro, 
talking on and on about Sardinia, their tongues no worse for weir. Oh, but look how that one grins and grinds his teeth. I could tell you so much more, but I am afraid he is going to grate my scabby hide for me. But their master sergeant turned to Farfello, whose wild eyes warned he was about to strike, shouting, Get away, you filthy bird of prey! If you would like to see Tuscans or Lombards, the frightened shade took up where he left off, and have a talk with them, I'll bring some here. But this Malabranch must back up a bit, or else those shades won't risk a surfacing. I, by myself, will bring you up a catch of seven, without moving from this spot, just by whistling. That's our signal to the rest, when one peers out and sees the coast is clear. Cognazzo raised his snout at such a story, and shook his head and said, Listen to the trick he's cooked up to get off the hook by jumping. And he, full of the tricks his trade had taught him, said, Tricky, I surely am, especially when it comes to getting friends into worse trouble. But Alachin could not resist the challenge, and in spite of what the others thought, cried out, If you jump, I won't come galloping for you. I've got my wings to beat you to the pitch. We'll clear this ledge and wait behind that slope. Let's see if one of you can outmatch us. Now listen, reader, here's a game that's strange. They all turned towards the, the slope, and first to turn was the fiend who, from the start, opposed the game. The Nevarasse had perfect sense of timing. Feet planted on the ground, in a flash he jumped. The devil's plan was foiled, and he was free. The squad was stung with shame, but most of all the one who brought this blunder to perfection. He swooped down, howling, Now I've got you caught! Little good it did, for wings could not outstrip the flight of terror. Down the sinner dived, and up the fiend was forced to strain his chest like a falcon swooping down on a wild duck. The duck dives quickly out of sight. The falcon must fly back up, dejected and defeated. In the meantime, Calabrina, furious, also took off, hoping the shade would make it so he could pick a fight with his companion. And when he saw the grafter hit the pitch, he turned his claws to grapple with his brother, and they tangled in midair above the ditch. But the other one was a full-fledged hawk as well, and used his claws on him, and both of them went plunging straight into the boiling pond. The keat was quick to make them separate, but there seemed no way of getting out of there. Their wings were clogged and could not lift them up. Barbarcia, no less peeved than all his men, sent four fiends flying to the other shore with their equipment at top speed. Instantly, some here, some there, they took the post to sign them. They stretched their hooks to reach the pitch-dipped pair, who were by now deep-fried within their crusts. And there we left them, all messed up that way. Well, that was a bit of a shift in tone, wasn't it? So readers uh, who approach Cantos uh, 21, uh, 21, 22, and then 23, um, which I will be uh, discussing next in, in the next um, recording, uh, the Canto of the Hypocrites. But these Cantos uh, are a shift in tone from the Cantos that uh, Dante has been, has been writing and, and uh, the fear and the sadness and sort of the tone of tragedy here we get a tone of tragedy a kind of i'm sorry a comedy rather a kind of grotesque humor um uh from the malabranch um demons and malabranch just simply means it's a it's a word that dante makes up uh, male kind of evil branche kind of uh, claws so evil claws these evil clawed demons and um to understand better these uh 
uh, these 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 demons and these um, uh, sort of the humor here is to is to understand the uh, what we might uh, call the uh, the lower form of medieval humor, where uh, d- d- demons and demonology and and um, even Satan himself is considered sort of in a humorous fashion uh, to reduce uh, to 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 reduce evil to kind of a a, um, a joke. Right, uh, um, and uh, and Dante does this here, um, you know, sort of a little beyond the, the the middle of of his Divine Comedy, which is where we are today. Um, so we'll I'll discuss uh, twenty one and twenty two, some of this grotesque humor. Let's start uh, with the beginning of the the canto. Uh, the music translation is is um, is quite good, and I'll stick with that. I and um, leave the uh, comparisons. Uh, of translation for another day. Um, notice the the long and rather intricate uh, epic simile that starts in line seven of Canto twenty one. Um, the um, the comparing the Malabranch demons and this uh, this arch uh, of of the of the fifth Bologia, um, where they look down on the ditch of this bubbling uh, bubbling boiling pitch. Notice how that is compared to um, shipyard. Uh, shipyard of, of in Venice uh, that Dante um, uh, was familiar with in his uh, native Italy, and notice how long this epic simile is. It's almost uh, so long that it that it uh, you know it threatens to kind of bust the canto open. Um, why does he take so long to make a what what most readers would just consider a simple comparison between the um, the sticky tar? of the ditch here in hell and the um uh and and the and the use of of the old caulk uh that is this thick pitch this caulk that um that was used in shipyards to repair boats during the winter why would he why would dante take so much time well the answer to that is because the simile is not just simply about comparing um the 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 tar with this pitch um in order for us to see it better but it's also to to introduce kind of the busyness um and we might even say the kind of the blue collar tone of of these of these canty um with a malabranch demon so uh so as he describes uh, you know he says some in, he says in line uh, 11 some build new ships other repair old ones plugging hammering carving twining mending patching now this busy activity busy um activity of of the of the of the wharfs, um, and uh, that uh, sort of comp- that image of the wharfs uh, uh, sort of segues right into uh, Dante's description of this part of hell. And so we're supposed to not just think of the pitch and the tar, but also the activity and the fr- frenetic activity, and maybe even kind of the I don't know on the waterfront kind of uh, earthiness, um, you know, with if you've ever been to, uh, you, you know, a, a place where there's lots of uh, manual labor, you can hear a lot of activity, of course, from the tools and yelling back and forth, but also maybe the the, the kind of the, the use of cursing and <laughs> it's sort of the, the vernacular, um, which is uh, reflective of the demons here are in this uh, in the same way. So um, so the this epic simile uh, introduces uh, not just simply the pitch. And makes a comparison there, but it, but also the 
the tone and the environment or the mise-en-scenes of, of, of these uh, next few uh, canty of grotesque humor. So the grotesque humor can, is considered uh, when Dante himself, uh, you, you know, uh, looks at these demons and he sees them and he, he names all their names um, and, uh, you know, they have a, they have a, a leader, Malacoda, um, uh, and Virgil, uh, as he has done many times in, uh, the Divine Comedy, uh, sort of deflates, uh, the, the bravado of, of the beast or the demon or the person that he meets, basically saying, you know, we, we, um, we have, we have the right to pass, uh, through here, um, and Dante is afraid, and you know, Dante is afraid that that Virgil won't be able to, uh, will not be able to lead him safely. Uh, Dante's interest or Dante's concern, even as he's hiding behind the rock here, is he's watching how um, how untrustworthy these demons are, and Virgil doesn't seem to really pick up on it. But in this in this canto, it doesn't need to, right? Because because the they they somewhat easily capitulate to to what Virgil wants, um, but Dante is there. Oh no! Uh, do do you see, you you know? Do you do you see what's going on here? Do you, you know? And do you see them looking one to the to the other? They're not gonna they're not gonna trust you. They're not gonna listen to your authority. Uh, but Virgil just says, you know, it's probably uh, best if you just let me, uh, just let me do my work. Um, and then he calls once he's kind of uh, deflated the arrogance of of the devil. Um, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting image here at, at line eighty-five, uh, when when the devil is is sort of he collapses. He actually says, Dante writes, with this the devil's arrogance collapsed. His pitchfork too dropped right down to his seat, his feet, as he announced to all, "Don't touch this man." Uh, so some humor there. Uh, it's like stereotype, like uh, demon one hundred and one, right? You've got the you've got the kind of the demon with the the, the horns in his head, who with the pitchfork, and uh, Dante has no problem at all um, uh, gathering together these cliched images to uh, to increase his humor. Um, and so, so this very kind of, this this um, cinematic uh, image of the 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 demon. It's not even cinematic. It's it's kind of like vaudevillian. It's like ah, the moment his arrogance uh, dissipates and he is defeated by Virgil, he drops his pitchfork. You know, and as he looks behind him, he says, oh, "Don't touch this guy." You know, it's let him go. Don't touch this man. Um, and then Virgil calls Dante out, and he he joins them. Um, and then so uh, part of the part of the humor is also contrasted with, as I said before, the fear. Um, you know, Dante says at line, this is in Canto 21, line 130, if you're observant, as you usually are, why is it you don't see them grind their teeth and wink at each other? We're in danger. So uh, there's a couple of uh, images playing out. There's Dante's fear. There's Virgil's kind of confidence that he can uh, uh, get through, uh, get Dante through to to his mission. Um, and, and these are playing up against each other, and it sort of creates this... Um, this, as, I, as I said before, this tone of humor, of slapstick, but also of a kind of um, chaotic danger. Um, Virgil says to him, you know, uh, I will not have you frightened. Uh, let them, you know, let them do the grinding. Uh, let them do the grinding because uh, the grinding is for the boiling souls uh, here in hell and not for you and me, which is true, right? So, and this is what we see in, uh, in Canto 22. We see more grinning and grinding uh, but not for the, the purposes of intimidating Dante, but for the 
um, for torturing uh, the damned who are here. And the uh, Canto 21 ends with this um, pretty famous picture of, um, of a fart. Uh, that is to say that, um, uh, that the, uh, the vulgarity here, um, uh, you know, uh, in, intensifies the, the, the comedy. Um, it's a farcical uh, situation. And uh, compares the, don- you know, the devils in the past, which were more intimidating and darker with, you know, just sort of a guy farting here at the end using his butt like a trumpet. Um, another one of these uh, great uh, uh, in, in, inversions, right? So we've got, we've got he's using his butt like a trumpet just as the angel will blow the trumpet uh, at, at the time of the apocalypse. And so the, the demons are really kind of these uh, inversions of evangelic beings, which, which makes sense, of course, uh, because they are part of the same cosmology. Um, so that's always fun. Uh, to read, and there's a few other things in Canto 21 uh, that are worth noticing before we move to the next one. Um, the at lines 48 to 51, uh, the holy face, and this is um, reading a bit from here from Muse's own great uh, 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 footnotes. He mentions that the holy face was a wooden crucifix at, at Luca, and um, and so again another one of these, um, you know, another one of these uh, inversions. Where the uh, where the crucifixion, the images of crucifixion, and of uh, are kind of played out against this, uh, uh, emphasizing the grotesqueness uh, of 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 um, these um, these demons and how they enjoy cooking uh, the sinners. So uh, the 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 damned are sort of uh, and and where are we again? Just to give us a reminder, we're 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 in this, um, we're in we continue to be in fraud. Um, and in the place of of, of fraud, so uh, fraud—that is to say, you know, one who buys or sells political or ecclesiastical offices, abuses their office, they're fraudulent, um, and uh, we don't get uh, names here yet. Uh, that is left for Canto twenty-two, where we get some names and we actually get a character uh, who um, who will uh, sort of uh, uh, symbolize uh, all of the. Uh, barators or all of the grafters as it's called today we might call them grifters but in but in those days it's sort of grafters they're um, those who have um, used their offices to deceive um there's also a translation uh, not a translation but rather a definition of a barter as one who is you know vexes others with groundless lawsuits right that's something we may use today it's it's not necessarily a word that we would use in 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 common language but we may uh, look at lawyers or or those who work in, in law offices as as those who are litigious uh, as a barter as well. So that's where we are. Let's move to Canto uh, twenty two, and uh, the note of grotesque comedy continues here. Uh, and so many of the quote grafters uh, are squatting in the pitch, um, and and uh, 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 these these sort of uh, grafters. Um, are kind of playing a game uh, with the demon. So this is the game-like or the kind of the, the frivolous tone as well, is that even in hell there's sort of a gamemanship uh, uh, between uh, the demons and um, and the damned. Um, uh, and it reminds me, uh, these, these sections reminds me of some of the lower humor, um, some of the slapstick humor, even of, of Homer or Virgil, uh, mo- mostly Homer uh, or, or sort of the bumbling uh you know soldiers uh, uh there's a number of um more fun passages in the iliad for example uh book 
uh, believe it's book 10 where there's a where there's a was it book eight well now my memory is now i have to know and i have to go look yeah it's book 10 i just uh, referenced my my fagel's uh translation of the iliad homer where uh where there's a maraud through the night and kind of a you know like a a pause between the ser- more serious books uh the book nine uh, of the iliad where the where the embassy goes to Achilles to convince him to come back into the into the war, and then maybe some of the later, more violent. Uh, there's kind of a pause, is like Book Twenty Three of, of the same, of the same work, where they uh, there's a pause in the fighting, um, uh, and they, what do they do? They play games. They it's basically the Olympics. Um, so even in ancient work, there are there are these kind of lower forms of of we might say genre within. Uh, within the work um, that has always kind of in contrast with the more serious uh, goals of the work itself but this is a this is a pretty conventional uh, way to to mix and match um, and so you know, what was my point oh well the point was that the game the game likeness of of the the grafters and the and the demons uh, uh, reminds me of of that lower humor found in classical sources, um, and uh, and even the demons themselves sort of remind me of a bunch of Greeks, uh, kind of fumbling around, dropping swords, doing things, and even getting into trouble there uh, at the end of Canto Twenty Two, where they attempt to to chase the the, the damn soul and instead find themselves uh, in the in the mix. Um, uh, I think it's even. I think Dante even points to Encanto uh, uh, twenty three uh, that the um, that the scene itself reminds Dante of um, of uh, one of Aesop's fables. So it's it's you know so the quality uh, here is um, is less like the spiritual journey of Dante and more like the the bumbling um, you know uh, the humor of uh, of, a, of a lower kind of genre like uh, uh, like a comedy. So in Canto 22, we see these grafters who are <clears throat> being um, opportunistic, I suppose, uh, and their opportunities are, are, of course, very, very limited. Being in hell, it's either pain or more painful, uh, but they're attempting to swim as deeply as they can into the boiling pitch, which, of course, hurts, um, and occasionally, they're, um, uh, occasionally they'll uh, come back up uh, as Dante says, like a dolphin that are said to surface with their backs arched to warn, to warn all men at sea to rig their ships for stormy seas ahead. That's line nineteen, and um, as they do this, they're sort of getting a little bit of relief. But there, the the danger is that the the demons uh, will see them and poke them and rip out their skin, as they do here to um, uh, to Chiampolo. Uh, and Tiampolo is the is the uh, central uh, damned figure here, who's um, who kind of outwits uh, these uh, these uh, Malabranch demons. So we'll concentrate uh, in, in uh, I will concentrate here on Tiampolo, um, and and that and it's really quite brilliant because it's one of the only scenes in all of Dante where we actually see uh, the damned soul uh, engaged in the act in which they uh, were beforehand condemned, baratory or uh, kind of a grafting, grifting. He, he kind of, he tricks the demons just as he did trick others, his friends, uh, mostly on earth. 
so there's a kind of um, there's a kind of nice process, uh, not process, but there's a kind of nice structure to um, to, to the way in which he does that. And um, we and this is uh, Dante as a dramatic writer, as well as a poetic writer, someone who who knows how to build tension and who knows how to re- to resolve it, and also to narrate um, uh, exactly Chiampolo's um, sort of. Uh, um, uh, fraud, you know, it's not just telling us that he's fraudulent and he's being damned for such a thing. He's actually showing us the case. So, you know, uh, as as Virgil and Dante do with all of the of many of the with many of the damned, he'll ask a question. They'll find out why he's there and what he's doing. This is, of course, is a is a, a step beyond just simply pitying uh, pitying the damned, as as Dante did in. Uh, Canto uh, Canto twenty, and Virgil of course has to remind him that such a thing is actually outside, not just God's justice, but the whole reasoning and structure and the patterning of the universe. Right, You're, this is piety and not pity. Um, so here, instead of pity, um, Dante uh, asks uh, questions. Um, actually, he asks Virgil to ask questions. He says, "Well, will you find out?" Uh, the name of that poor wretch who has just fallen into the cruel hands of the adversaries, line 45. And um, so Virgil does it for him, and uh, Ciampolo, who remains unnamed at this point, um, describes uh, very briefly um, who he was and um, how he's paying his bill by boiling here. There he says in line 53, I learned my graft, and now I pay my bill. Pretty simple. Um, and, um, and then we get this, uh, you know, this, this lovely grotesque gore, uh, throughout, um, uh, uh, this passage, right? He's getting, he, he gets a wound, he gets his, rips a huge piece of his arm out of him, uh, very much like a horror movie. You know, Dante is a, this is where Dante becomes kind of like a, I don't know, kind of like a slasher, um, and, and is very particular about the, the, the gore here. Um, uh, I wouldn't say he, as a writer, revels in it, but he certainly doesn't hold back his descriptions. So, um, as Tiampolo is um, uh, being asked questions, he's also being kind of ripped apart. So it's you know it's like the mafia holding their victim, being interrogated by the the FBI or something, and it's all happening. These three groups. Um, Virgil and Dante on the one hand, and then the demons, and then in betwixt is Ciampolo being interrogated, being litigated, I suppose, um, asked questions, cross-examined, and, and tortured all at once. Um, but Ciampolo will have his day. I mean, he he um, he he answers the question. Of course, he gets his arm ripped up pretty bad, and that, there's a description there. And then he um, talks a little bit about um, who else was there, right? So. This is, again, one of these things that happens here in the Divine Comedy. Virgil will, will ask, or Dante will ask uh, the damned to identify their sin, to, to identify themselves and their sin. And, of course, divine justice uh, is satisfied when the identity are almost one and the same, right? They identify themselves and the sin in which they are condemned. That's what he, uh, Ciampolo, does. And then he goes on to um, sort of point out others who are there as well. Uh, for Dante to to see uh, the 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 width and breadth of 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 um, in this case fraud, how many are being condemned for 
for that sin. And he talks about a, a friar, and the friar, again, uh, that Giampolo describes as someone who, um, it, these were not petty, this was not petty grafting, this was real stuff. This was, um, he, he talks about the sovereign, uh, the sovereign order of uh, such a thing. And, um, and uh, in, the, in, in the notes, as I'm looking at them now, Musa talks about Gomita, he's a Sardinian friar, kind of an interesting story there. Um, and Dante's full of these little interesting stories, which I encourage you to go back and take a look at in the footnotes of your own, um, your own translations. But here's the game. So, um, uh, so Ciampolo gets a kind of, kind of gets a good idea here. He's like, well, if these guys are asking, you know, I can get them up here. Um, if you let me, you know, you, you let me, uh, uh, have a talk with them, I'll bring them up here. Um, but he says, uh, these, these demons have to back up a bit. Now you, you see, it's like, well, it's like, obviously he's trying to trick them. And even the demons know, Hey, this guy's trying to trick us. And Giampolo does a great graft, a great grift graft here. He says, um, you know, tricky I am, especially when it comes to getting friends into worse troubles. So he, he basically says, well, yes, I, I suppose I could trick you, but I really want to see my friends get hurt. So therefore, I'm going to, you know, whistle so that you can see these, uh, uh, these damned. Virgil and Dante will be able to identify them and see them. And, and you, you demons, will be able to get a poke on them. And the demons sort of like, well, the game's afoot, right? Um, and so they all like, rah, 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 like, and their pride now is touched, and and uh, so they become uh, they become challenged, uh, they become almost competitive with the damned soul. So uh, Chiampolo, um tricks them, right? You know, just the moment, uh, the moment that they all turn away, or to, uh, the fiends and the demons turn away. Uh, Chiampolo, uh, he writes in line one twenty one, has a perfect sense of timing. He uh, plants his feet on the ground and flash. He jumps. The devil's plan was foiled, and he was free. Now, uh, this is a kind of this, in a, in a sense, looks like kind of a triumphalism of the of of this fraudulent person. But you know, he's not going for very long. It's, this is a this is a temporary um, uh, respite from eternal pain. So we get to see what he did on earth. This is how he this is how he escaped um, his the consequences uh, of his actions and uh, he's really good at it and he's really good at grifting. Even the, in the in the afterlife he's grifting, but he'll 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 be back. And as he does all of this, the the demons kind of like, you know, keystone cops kind of stuff kind of bump into each other. One swoops down to get him, uh, the other swoops down to grab the one swooping down and then uh, the two are kind of combined and entangled in their wings and uh, clogged is the word that Dante uses in line 144. And they fall into the pitch, um, <clears throat> or rather it's they fall into the pitch and then the wings are clogged and they can't get back up out of it. And so um, <laughs> they have to send the Keystone cops, they have to send you know the cleanup crew to go get these two demons Um and Dante ends the line in a very kind of low humor way. They're all messed up in that way, you know. I, we we just kind of left them. We just kind of snuck off. Um, uh, so, you know, th this is a this whole description, uh, this kind of grotesque humor, uh, the, the the gore that's there, is actually to the purpose of showing uh, this damned figure, Chiapolo, as a as a as a grifter and what they do, how they are how they are. Um, uh, how they pay for their sins eternally, but also 
something of a triumphal human note here, which is I'm not inclined to always lean in that direction. Um, I, I, you know, of course, there's a whole school of interpretation of, you know, look romant romantically reading Dante's Inferno and saying that the that the damned are are actually um, have overcome, have actually beat God. Uh, and you can see a passage like this one would give that thesis some some fuel. Uh, but I, it's an overreading. I mean, this is a <clears throat> this is Dante's way of um, discussing fraud from another perspective and and having a little bit of fun with it. Remember, we're in a comedy here. Uh, it doesn't mean things have to be funny, but they're not going to be tragic eventually. There's great tragedy in the Inferno, but there's also a tremendous amount of humor. And with that, I'll end uh, today's um, brief reflection on 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 this um, on these two canti. And I, I look forward to discussing uh, Canto uh, 23 uh, with the hypocrites uh, in, in, our, in my next recording. And I'll, and I'll, uh, I'll see you then.